Yes, Shredheads, Waxheads, Kooks and Barneys, welcome to another episode of Core Lords. This week on the program, we've got Jackson Connellan from the Healthy Minds Club up here in Lennox Head, Australia. And uh, yeah, Lennox, you know, an interesting place, in many ways utopian, uh, you know, Really fun waves all over the joint. Obviously, the home of uh, an iconic wave in the former Lennox Head. Um, you know, the, the living standards are high. There's space. There's, um, you know, limited crime. Basically, a, a dream existence in a lot of ways. But that's not to say they haven't had their struggles. And they, they've had them recently, and they've been severe. They've lost a couple of really pivotal members of their surfing community in a very short amount of time. Um, and, and this is the response to that. I guess, you know, when people take their own lives in tight-knit communities, it has an immeasurably profound effect, both negatively and positively. Um, I guess, obviously, the negative is the grief you know, and grief is stress, and for the whole community to feel that at the same time, it's a dangerous time. It's a time when other people can uh, cave into the stress and pain, and this is when these kind of suicide clusters develop, I guess. On the flip side of that, there is also a renewed vigor to go after good mental health and, you know, love aggressively and you know come together and bounce back and i guess that is kind of the karma associated with self-harm and suicide you know many people will attempt it and not be successful uh and often those people who have attempted it and not been successful come out the other side of it absolutely motivated to live and live well and inspire others to do the same. And those that are successful, it leaves an imprint on all those who are alive to to really knuckle down and choose life and help others choose life. And that's what Jacko's done. He's come up with an organization called the Healthy Minds Club. And they're very active around the Northern Rivers in schools and elsewhere, um, you know, existing on grants and, and stuff like that, and a lot of just community support and community goodwill. Uh, we're going to talk today to Jacko about why he felt the need to come up with this, although it's self-explanatory. I, I kind of did just explain it, but also some of the methodologies employed by the Healthy Minds Club and just a broader discussion about the way our society and culture functions and how to survive some of the more toxic outcomes of the way we live, and there are many, and most of them are hidden, and it's never explained to you. It's not a part of our education system to really tell you uh, or teach you how to live well. So that's the chat. Um, you'll hear a reference late in the piece to swellness. This was recorded prior to swellness, and uh, don't tune out at that point because I still think that the conversation that comes on the back of that is still very valid and stands the test of time. So hope you enjoy the program. This is Jackson Connellan from the Healthy Minds Club. Ain't that swell presents Core Lords. 
Jacko from the Healthy Minds Club. Welcome to the program. Thank you, brother. Thank you very much for having me. Stoked to be here. My pleasure, man. Tell us a bit about the, uh, the project that you're running. Yep. Um, so a men's mental health organisation uh, based here in the Northern Rivers. And essentially what we do is we fundraise um, from a bunch of different resources locally, um, mainly businesses, and we, we get some um, locally funded grants as well. Nothing has come from the government as, as yet, but um, yeah, we fund. Um, and then what we do is we provide um, educational resources. We provide free psychological support um, for um, members of the Northern Rivers. And then we provide um, an Indigenous cultural initiative that's trying to gain a bit of awareness for um, Indigenous culture, especially in the Ballina Shire and, and at Lennox Point, which is referred to as Pat Morton Lookout, um, with a bit of an ugly history behind that. Uh, and then we foster local um, junior sporting clubs so with the theory that um, you know, you, you exercise is going to attribute to a positive mental health. So we want to foster those groups um, and try and encourage you know, kids to sort of have that community and, and have that level of support as, as youngsters. Okay, and, and tell us a bit about yourself and, you know, what prompted all this? Like, tell us a bit about where you grew up, uh, you know, what your olds did for a living, that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Just a bit of insight into who you are. Um, so I grew up uh, here in New... I was born in Manly in Sydney. Um, only lived there for the first few years of my life, I think maybe sort of three or four years. Uh, and then the parents relocated up here to, to beautiful Nuribar. So um, been living here on the ridge for the last 20 two years i've come and gone I've sort of lived a couple of years in ballina um, with the mate over the last few years but yeah all, all my yeah, majority of my my childhood was spent here on on the hill so um some beautiful green pastures and um yeah plenty of sort of like you know outdoor activity i was super heavily involved in a lot of different sporting clubs um and that was pretty well my driving passion as as, as a youngster um sort of i guess living in a in a bit more of a regional area um, and especially within Nuribar which is a very small township I didn't really have a huge amount of mates so um, yeah it was mainly just up here sort of playing around on the farm um, hanging out with my brother um, yeah that, that that was sort of I guess what kept me busy up here mum and dad very creative people, very smart people, um, switched on with a business mind, um, but also very generous people as well. Uh, and what uh, dad, dad he's, he's keeps, keeps saying he's going to retire. He said he's about to retire for probably the last five years, but he has a building company up here. Um, and my mum's a graphic design artist. So I guess they worked in junction with each other to create um, some beautiful properties around here and capitalized on uh on the property market you know over the last sort of 20 years right so you've grown up in i guess the lennox community predominantly surfing um yeah. playing sports yep that kind of stuff yeah I, I went i went to primary school down at byron yeah so i was school captain of st finbars in byron yep. um and then after that i went out i had a stint out at um st john's college woodlawn which is like sort of out the back of Lismore. Yeah, a Catholic know, school out there. Catholic, yeah, big big private school out there. So that was a yeah, bit of a bit of a different experience, bit of a bit more of a rougher sort of culture and a bit more of a footy orientated um, dynamic out there, which you know, I, I enjoyed but it was just too far away from the coast, you know. Mm. And like I wake up and I can see the ocean and then having to drive 
spend three hours on a bus every day to go west was, mm. was a bit of a bit fuck of... it's wild it's, how, it's crazy how much crew from up this way end up at that high school callum robson i think yeah. it's one of them, one right? of them. yeah yeah, and, yeah. And, and along with many others from byron and it's so ironic you grow up in the most beautiful part of the world and then your parents make the decision to boot you an hour inland <laughs> to a fucking catholic school it's wild yeah. wild stitch up and like like yeah not definitely not bagging the school or anything like that but definitely more traditional and like I, yeah, just a bit more regimented, you know. Um, but went from there, moved down. And that's so when I was about 14 or 15, I think I made the decision to, to, to cark it there um, and moved down to Xavier. So I went to another another private school, but was based at Skinner's Head here in Lennox Head. And I guess that's where I really forged some some strong you know, community connections within that Lennox area. Mm. Um, a few of my mates that I went to primary school with migrated to Lennox straight away. So I guess that was a bit of an entry for me into the community already. I had, you know, some mates that were already cemented in the surf community. So it was pr pretty easy to sort of like slot in there. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, majority of majority of my time, I guess, that I attribute to my personal development and like the significant areas was, was in Lennox with that community. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, I know the culture well, like I went to a Catholic school myself in Sydney and... Uh, you know, I guess it's interesting to see how much the culture has shifted since, I mean, I'm a bit older than you, but I imagine it was pretty similar um, in your age group and, and where you grew up. Just It's crazy to see how much the culture has shifted from, you know, I guess it was all sport mad. It was all like pretty turned up masculinity mm. growing up. Uh, Huge amounts of it. Like, yeah. It, it, it was, I guess in a way it was like, I don't know, kind of the, those school structures kind of favoured males as well. Like it felt like there was such like a um, an importance on the sporting aspect mm. and there wasn't that much being done in terms of promoting the creativity and the arts and the music and that kind of thing. 100%. And it was sort of like, yeah, it, was, it would have been really hard to have been a young individual that didn't have any ties to the sporting community. And, you You're know... Brutally ridiculed yeah. at the school I went to for being interested in the arts or uh you know even music but like theater and uh, even soccer dude if you played soccer you were like you know a sus kind like you were hung on the cross it was, eh? it was heavy <laughs> yeah. it was weird it was it was just all about football and surfing those yeah. two things really football surfing and fighting i mean just because from a purely survival perspective uh you know you didn't have to put up with much uh disrespect if you could fight so mm. like that helped um yeah. They were the three main metrics as far as I could tell going up. And there was no room and no awareness about mental health whatsoever. Like zero, zero percent. No, zero no, no recognition from the schools. No recognition from the schools. No recognition from the sporting clubs, the sporting mm. heroes. The culture in general mm. pretended as if your mind didn't exist. It was all about training the body. And it was all about wrecking the body too. It was like getting your body into peak physical condition so you could just fucking throw it at a you know, 100 kilo Tongan brick wall or like throw it off the ledge of some psycho slab. Um, and no one even gave, I guess it was kind of like an out of sight, out of mind thing when it came to the brain. Like yeah. no one really even thought about the brain. And, you know, I guess at that point too, brain science was in its absolute infancy. It's still mm. very much in its infancy. But, you know, you go back 20 years to when I was 15 and there's almost no understanding of brain science in the mainstream and, mental health issues and 
there mental health coping mechanisms. There was a lot of issues, but it was just that. So not, many. That it was just that, nah, that was not spoken about or that's not a genuine health concern, you know? Totally. That's, that's like something that's going to blow over in fucking two weeks or something like that, you know? Totally, yeah. And how have you seen that culture shift since your youth? Um, pretty, has it shifted? Pretty, pretty slowly, yeah. to be honest. Like, there has definitely been a shift. Uh, I, I'd probably say over the last four to five years, there's definitely been more recognition. Um, but in terms of actual development of programs and implementation of strategies and structures into society that is going to help and benefit us from a younger age and educate us intuitively from a younger age there's there's been fuck all really done um you know i'm not there's programs out there definitely um but you know there's there's nothing there's no sort of like broader scheme that you know the government or the school system or sports system or whoever whatever combined sort of organization it might be is has nailed on the head and has been able to implement and show that there's you know a huge amount of improvement and and understanding gained by by youth um a lot of the work that we're doing um over the last sort of four months was directly targeted at two youth suicides within our community here at Lennox. So um, the two individuals were, uh, it was a male and a female, um, both under the age of 16, um, and both have been trained in mental health first aid, so had done had done formal training in mental health. Um, so whether it be school environment, home environment, um, a combination of both, um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's sort of, pretty concerning when um you know when you know that these kids have had at least some kind of education or some kind of understanding brought to them mm. um and yet they're still fighting so strongly to understand what that is so mm. you know there's programs out there but i just don't think that they have hit the nail on the head as such yet mm. I, I have a feeling with all of the mental health programs and initiatives and funding or not funding like my fundamental belief with dealing with mental health issues is that you can't think your way out of them. It's really all about the doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and you, know, and you the, can sit there all day and, and, and you can think about what you need to do to make yourself feel better, but the act of just thinking isn't going to attribute to um, you know, an endorphin release that you get from exercise exactly. or you know, that you get from meditating and breath work. So it's... It's yeah, the way it's sort of constructed at the moment is like you go to a medical professional and they have their opinion and then you know, you get prescribed something and then you're just told to go about your life still. Mm. You might be told to do a bit of exercise or you might be told to maybe fix your diet, but there's no investigation into and and programs set up, you know, that are going to directly target that and are going to directly hit that on the head you know it's sort of just like take this fucking you know so we'll see in four weeks or fucking five weeks for the review to see if we need to pump you up or, or reduce your, your dose so mm -mm. yeah i mean mainstream mental health initiatives are farcical it's a joke like i mean the whole thing's basically bankrolled by big pharmaceutical companies um you know i've spoken about this on the podcast before the manifestation of that is having a pharmaceutical benefits scheme that's fully subsidized by the government in which they give you pills for free mm. 
but everything that's actually going to help you yoga meditation breath work like all these things are actually quite expensive mm. if you want to go down those avenues if you don't and if you don't have the you know understanding of how to do it yourself all these things you can really do it yourself with mm. the apps you know calm meditation app headspace waking up you know i'm subscribed to all these uh you know the wim hof app i'm subscribed to um, you know, Wim Hof on podcasts. You can listen to him on a thousand different podcasts. Mm-hmm. Heaps All- of wellness channels on, you know, different different websites and that kind of thing. Like that guy, guy who's got a heap of sick information on, yeah. on that, that, that guy website and it's got, you know, all kinds of, you know, health and wellness, like, you know, um, home, I guess. Yeah. With like a, you t- have you tapped into that before? No. Nah. Gaia, yeah. Oh, Gaia, yes, sorry. It's like the channel. It's like the channel. You said that guy, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, um, it's pretty hard to sort of get your head around, you know, because it's an industry that, you know, you're brought to believe that is there to help you, but essentially it's just churning out money for, you know, corporates. So, um, I think it's, you know, it's no, that, that side of things isn't going to change until the larger or vast majority of the population has had some education into these other holistic forms of health and wellness, you know, because, and it can be quite daunting. Uh, Like I I personally, before I started my journey of spirituality and health and wellness and biohacking, whatever you want to call it, um, I was, yeah, I was skeptical, man. I was like, what is this going to, is this going to open something up that, um, that's going to transform me or change me? Like I wasn't, yeah, I wasn't like, I wasn't close to it, but I wasn't fully like, yeah, let's fucking run with this, you know? And it took me a little bit to just educate myself and go, oh, okay. Like, okay. I, I see that. I see that benefit and I see this. And then it took me another step further for me to, I think it was when I fully engaged spiritually to be like, all right, this, I need to incorporate all of this into my daily routine. Yeah, and then I won't. Then I'm not seeing a doctor. Then I'm not seeing a psychologist. Then I'm not worrying about my back and my ankles and my, my neck and my head. Like it's, I've got the power to control that and to to relieve any stresses that I have within my within myself. That's what it's all about. I mean, from a simply conceptual point of view, it's just about reducing and eliminating, if possible, stress yeah. and and understanding the forms that stress arrives in and. It, it arrives in so many different forms, like, you know, like everything from distrust produces cortisol to, you know, triggering moments of anger and, you know, frustration. If you let the, that linger too long, you know, you, you can create this kind of negative loop between the feeling of frustration and then th- fueling that feeling of thinking. And th- there's just stress is so hard uh, to manage for some people. Mm. And that is always what leads to depression mm. and worse. It's, yeah. it's stress. Yeah. And, and it ha- you have to figure out a way to reduce it and keep it out of your life. Mm. And there are many techniques to do that. Mm. And I guess we have to normalize these techniques in our culture. Mm. So, you know, for example, maybe at a football club or a board riders club, uh, maybe the whole thing starts with a huge group. Wim Hof, you know, yeah. that, that's such an easy step. Yeah. It's such a simple, easy step. Yeah. yeah, we can have people come in and give lectures on fucking mental health initiatives and all that kind of stuff, but that's just more thinking your way out of the problem. Mm. Like, really, where we need to be acting is just doing. Definitely, you- definitely for the younger generation that need, like, I think there's still value in, um, you know, in the, in the older demographic 
attaining, you know, those presentations and, and, and doing their research and doing the education on this stuff mm. because essentially you're, you're taking that knowledge not only for yourself but to pass down to your kids, to your mates' kids, to your, your nephews, you, you, know, you, you, you know, whoever you surround yourself with. So I think for the youth it's super important that we, that we get them to practice these things. Like Exactly. Yeah, like get, get them started at a young age and, you know, a lot of – a lot of it, well, a lot of the work that we've done over the last four weeks, uh, four months, was to, I guess, try to clue in the parents into into this side of things, as to like, okay, understand the stresses and the pressures that are being placed on your kids. Understand why your child can't, un, you know, find their identity as of yet. Understand what resilience is, and understand how to instill that within your child. And I, I guess the tools and the and you know the strategies that um, that these professionals uh, they they're called parenting you know professionals but mm. they were speaking holistically about you know your exercise your meditation your breath workshops these these people um, just Dr Justin Coulson and Maggie Dent so they're two they have two shows on broadcast on television and everything like they're even they're trained medical professionals and they're even saying like, no, this is not working. Like this is what we need to employ within our youth. Mm. Um, but they're, you know, even though they're, they're, they've got their broadcasts on a national scale, um, you know, they're still just running t- TV shows and they're not actually working with the government and actually working with schools to be like, all right, you know, we're, we're the top, top level professionals. This is the direction we want to take. It's still not happening there. Mm. Yeah. Any knowledge that's delivered, needs to be delivered in conjunction with the action itself. So, it's, yeah. you know, yeah, you want to give a seminar on mental health, we'll fucking, you know, immediately practice what you just preached right. yeah. Yeah. or do it beforehand or whatever. But yeah. it needs to happen in conjunction. Just talks, talking, talking, talking. It's fucking not enough. Yeah. It's really not. It's just yeah. fucking a waste of time. It's all hot air. And, you know, expecting parents to be able to school their kids on how to take care of themselves mentally is hilarious because the older generation are probably the most fucking – cooked cunts in <laughs> planetary history to, we're like, dealing with emotional regulation oh, like are you serious yeah. like like so egoic so trapped in the ego mind so wrapped up in greed and consumerism and capitalism the generation that yeah. come before us like uh the, the the few generations i guess going back to the boomers have, have been awful mm. in uh ameliorating you know mental health issues and dealing with uh, it's just kind of coming up with a more spiritual perspective on mm. things, mm. if you want to call it that, or, or even just a more communal, respectful, egalitarian, um, healthy way of doing things. It's, They're closed off to everything and, and pretty well stuck in, in the matrix of, of constructed society. And the matrix does that to you. Like the, the, it's, it's set up to do that to you, you mm. know, through all of the – just even surely the things we put into our bodies that come out of the matrix, yeah. um, you know, your sugars, fast foods, alcohols, like these are the main emotional coping mechanisms mm. from the generations that have gone before us. It's mm. literally been, you got a problem, fucking have a drink. Mm. You got a problem, eat some sugar. Open your mouth, but don't speak. <laughs> you know, put something in it. It's <laughs> yeah, a bit totally. of a weird concept. Right? <laughs> That's so true. Yeah. Um, but what does your daily actions look like? You know, what do you do each day to... To get yourself up to get for myself the day. moving, yeah. Mm. Well, um, I I remember the last 
conversation I had with you, you were saying you take a little bit to warm up in the morning. So mm. I'm quite the same. I don't drink coffee. Um, just It just doesn't react well with my body. So um, I have to move before I sit down on the laptop or I go into work or I you know, go see a client. I have to, I have to be active. So um, if the surf's cooking, the first priority is to go for a wave. Um, even if it's semi, semi ride, I'll always probably choose that over sitting down and doing yoga and meditation because I guess in a certain way it's uh it facilitates the same release I guess as what as what you know the meditation would do for me in the morning um I'm pretty solitary when I surf like I don't really like to sit too close to anyone like I'd really like to just go find my own bank a little bit further down from everyone so I sort yeah I'd sort of use that time um you know to just just to to marinate on what I'm grateful for. I've, I do find myself a lot of the time sitting out there, you know, looking at looking out over the, the vast expanse, just going like, you know, like um, I am pretty small and significant, and this is pretty amazing. Everything's pretty beautiful. So I always try to ground myself in the morning, um, with whether it be through yoga practice or through surfing, um, and then after that, I. I'll, I'll do some breath work, breath work as well. Um, so whether it be just before I'm heading out into the water, um, I'll you know I'll try to limber up a little bit, or if I'm here on the mat at home, um, I'll try to do some form of breath work. Um, and I just, yeah, that that's essentially that's what I need to get myself to get my brain activated. And I'd really struggle to find an individual that would be able to activate their brain without some form of movement and like when i mean activate your brain like be able to use it critically like not just sort of like oh i'm awake now i'm going to walk around and fucking make my toast like actually like my, when my brain's awake like i'm i'm working i'm communicating i'm you know i'm analyzing like i'm in the zone so to get myself to that point um yeah it's it's i i, I try to ground myself as best and i find that doing that alleviates any of the anxieties that you might have around the day or around schedules around you know conversations you're going to have whatever it might be just doing that in the morning to just like to ground yourself and tap out of you know the matrix that we're forced to try to operate in is is probably yeah probably the number one thing that i would i would say i i I get myself to do Mm. yeah it seems to be some combination of meditation movement breath work um, and then, yeah, obviously, and, and I'm sure, like you know, some people would would some people, you know, everybody's everybody's different. Everybody reacts differently. Yeah, and I so, don't. People say that, but like, I think we're a lot more similar than we are different. Mm. And I mean, I think really, like, you know, yeah, there, there'll be slight variations in terms of what helps people get going in the morning but i think it is still pretty much pretty well that sex yeah those those three things seem to be like across like all cultures Mm. um and ancient and ancient and shit yeah Yeah. it's like some form of prayer some form of exercise um and i mean breath work and prayer can be interchangeable and very Mm. similar Uh, same with exercise and breath work like Mm. um you know you're breathing heavy like just getting a bit of a sweat on and just getting used to creating the energy mm. for the day create the energy in the morning for that whole day and, and maybe do it again in the evening to create the energy for the night you know like i i, I, I don't know I, I, probably one of the most the things that i enjoy most about it is like i enjoy training and i enjoy the aspect of like pushing myself and actually feeling exerted and like 
and you know and and the and the feelings that are attributed with you know pushing yourself whether it you know not only be on the mat or in the surf but pushing myself to to provide the best resources for for the community or to provide the best to find the best mental health you know approach to tackle you know a, a problem locally i feel that if i push myself in the morning whether whether it be through my breath work whether it be through stretching, whether it be in the ocean, um, and I really put 100% into that, then I feel, yeah, like I'm fully charged and like 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 energized and ready to just rip into anything. It's like I need, yeah, it's like I kind of crave like that little fix of like pushing yourself and then release. And I, I feel that that's probably what a lot of people probably you know a lot of people have in common is like getting up pushing myself doing doing the hardest part of the day and then the rest of it's easy you know yeah like mike tyson says you know if you work out in the morning the day's already won yeah yeah and it really is that simple i mean you can get by in your 20s not doing that somehow like i I think you know depends on what how your body's made up yeah exactly and I, i don't think you really get by in your 20s i think you just most people are just erratic and not very accountable in their 20s and they get away with it because fucking you kind of just do it and not everyone does some people don't they don't make it out of their 20s and um but definitely as you get older as your mitochondria starts to tail off around 27 28 um and you're no longer just waking up full of beans and charged for growth you realize that you actually have to generate the energy for the day the energy just doesn't get given to you free yeah yeah, yeah. anymore um and that's where the kind of leaning into the hardship comes like you have to lean into it that's mm. what it's all about if your workouts aren't making you sweat if you're not feeling pain at some point if you're not having to push through pain and discomfort then you're not working hard enough that, and you're not a, you're not resilient yeah you know you won't way, build resilience you won't, yeah you won't yeah yeah you, you like you won't nat- naturally have that drive to to bounce back or to 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 cope or to figure out you know you know it's a, a dealing with a certain situation you sort of just go oh i'm not used to this like i'm not used to ripping in and like you know sorting this out right here right now you know i'm going to let it fester and then that will you know lead on to your anxiety your depression and you know your other anxious states that we're sort of all trying to avoid yeah joe rogan says you know he punishes himself so hard with workouts that none of the bullshit that life throws at him can stack up to the bullshit <laughs> he throws at himself just in his workouts, which is, you know, fuck man, Buddha Joe. Like he is such a wise man. He's been through a lot himself. Um, and I think there's so many great lessons from that guy. That, that That's fucking top of the pile. That, that's mm. such a good one because that guy would put up with so much horse shit, man. Holy fuck. That guy's the most recognizable person in the english-speaking world right now and he, he cops a bit of flack doesn't he big time because yeah. he's he's a shameless non-ideological non-dogmatic truth teller and yep. big respect to him for doing that you know mm. he's, he's flexible in the mind and prides himself on that and um that leads to constant turmoil with the ideological egoic minds around us which is fucking pretty you know so so many people probably the, the majority of people in the in the matrix fall on one side of the political spectrum or the other but you know as the native americans say that the left and right wing are part of the same bird like yeah. you know you're all living in the same country aren't you like yeah exactly and you know it's just basically a ruse to keep us divided uh anyway like politics as far as i can tell yeah. um so yeah working out hard getting 
just kind of punishing yourself, leaning into it. Yeah. Um, there's and so yeah. much crazy science behind that, just whether it's hot, uh, hot stress, cold stress, physical stress, um, and, and mental training, like just being present, being aware with the discomfort, mm. that awareness. And being able to hold it, you know, and just be comfortable with it. with it, yeah. yeah. Or at least uh, it's funny when you can pull up into – I've just been saying – literally as of last night, just a, a kind of a mantra of just awareness. When I start to f- feel bad or I'm fueling emotions with thoughts, uh, I just kind of can say that mentally and I can feel my consciousness like almost rise into mm. a different part of my head in a sense. Mm. And I'm like, oh, like, like I, ca- I come out of that loop of like fueling the emotion with thoughts and I'm like, oh, actually I'm, what's really going on here is I feel a, a tiny bit of discomfort. Yeah. And once I am aware of that discomfort, I'm looking down at that discomfort, I'm like, oh, this is fuck all. This is nothing. And then it's gone. By the time I can even like look, it's It's, ra- it's rationalizing it, it essentially. Mm. Like you, you, when, you, when you're doing, you know, you're listening to, you're doing instruction from Wim Hof and you got his video on YouTube or something like that. Like he's telling you like, you know, just, just hold on. Like your body can push through this. Your body can do more than what you believe. Like just trust your body. Just trust your body. Mm. And like I feel like it's like a, it's just like a rational train of thought. And I, I believe that if you build up that train of thought and you're able to, to execute that train of thought like in everyday situations and problems, then it relieves anxiety and relieves the stress. It gives you a mechanism to deal with these stressful situations and cope. Mm-hmm. But it really does come back to that daily training. It has to be every day. Yeah. It really does. Yeah. There's, there's no getting around that fact. It's, especially where we live, you, you come up against a lot of you know, people who virtue signal their left-wing identity or their alternative identity, their hippie identity, mm-hmm. whatever. And they'll be like, you know, yeah, yeah, I, I do all that stuff. I meditate. I do yoga. But it's like how often, man? Yeah. Like, you know, fuck. Like it's once a week is nothing. It's, nah. it's just nothing. It's, it's almost like not even worth doing if mm. you're going to do it that rarely. It's all about the frequency. And but sometimes people are just in it for the culture. Like you said, you know, like some people are following a culture and they're not fully aware of, you know, exactly what the benefits are or the actual direct reasoning why they're doing it. You know, they just see that it's either popular or it's it aligns with, you know, their background or whatever it might be, you know. It's just like, oh, I'm going to go along with this. You, you, see, you see that in so many different aspects. See, you see that in so many different aspects of, of, of society. Like it's, it's yeah, it's, it's, it's sort of like they're, I don't know, kind of lost and just like, oh, you know, I'll go along with this. But It's almost for sure the people who virtue signal, who, who buy into the, you know, the, the aesthetic look of a culture, they're almost certainly the ones who aren't practicing what they preach like i feel like the really hippie looking kind of characters because i feel like the more you go into the actual practices the less you really want to be, be that you just want to be yourself yeah you, 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 un- you be understand that. it's not it's not a, it's not the identity or a culture thing you're really just doing it because it fucking makes you feel that good exactly it's a way to connect and the, the last thing you want is dualism is the last thing you want when you do all that shit is like separation from anyone yeah. you don't want that polarity in your life anymore it's just like you're trying to find middle ground with everyone. Mm, yeah. Man, talk to us about some of the initiatives the Healthy Minds Club's come up with. So talk us through what the mental health first aid course is. So mental health first aid um, is a program. It's 
look, I, I, you know, I said a couple of things about it before. I said, you know, it probably doesn't hit the target as such, but um, it's an it's an internationally recognised course. That's uh, don't quote me on this, but over sixty different countries around the world use it, um, and it was started by um, a professor in, at Canberra University. So him and his wife, he was a psychology professor, and um, they looked at physical first aid and they said, well, why isn't there a mental health first aid? Mental health is just, you know, this is how they viewed it. This was about 20 years ago. Mental health is just as important. Um, and they worked, they sort of worked really hard up until uh, late 2000s, you know, 2007, 2008, until the program actually got traction. And I guess, you know, that awareness that we were talking about before, even though it's not huge, it was, it was building. Um, and, because um, a lot of businesses like to use it because it uh, it avoids the litigation of um, uh, of mental illness within their workplace. Yeah, so if someone someone goes and takes their own life, um, and the family or whatever they leave a note attributing it to work stress or bullying, harassment within the workplace, if you go and train everybody, it takes a little bit of litigation off you. Um, mm. Not fully, not fully, but if you're looking to insure your company and you're looking at employing um, uh, an EPA, which is like an employee assistance program, they're really expensive things. So to reduce your premiums on your insurance, you go, which are, which are also massive, you go and get an EPA and you go and train your staff within the workplace. So um, it's really good, you know, really good for different certain situations and uh, I, you know I think it belongs it's it's quite a valuable tool within the workplace um, but essentially it teaches you it gives you a background on the different mental illnesses um, and then the the main crooks of it is teaching people how to connect with uh, a medical professional um, or someone if they don't have access to a medical professional someone that can support them and help them get to a to a professional so it's all about directing people to a professional um, and then predominantly the predominant amount of literature within it will state that you you should be uh, engaging with you know, a professional to then get medic, medic, medical treatment from that mm. um, does not look at one bit of the holistic, um, you know, f experience that are out there or the the resources that are out there. Um, I think it's just a little bit outdated the course, um, but it, it it is really effective in helping people understand different mental illnesses, um, and then it's really effective with them. It sort of gives people a bit of a framework to use in identifying when intervention needs to happen. Mm. So, they, intervention's important. Huge, yeah. And they state that you know but, you, you you analyze someone over a two week period if you see a noticeable change within their mood. Um, and they said you know you, there's parameters that you should use. So yeah, you come up to them, you ask them. Scale of one to five today, mate. How are you feeling? If you're, you know, you, you know, you're not going to clue in and go, mate. I think you're, you're really, you're really looking depressed. You're really doing it. You just go coming up. Oh, how are you? I'm feeling good today. How are you feeling? One to five. You get a scale over two weeks, and if they're telling you every day that they're a one, then you clearly need to go and try source some help. You can tell that they're in a bit of a situation. So it's a really good tool to help people understand the importance of. Uh, awareness you know like recognizing the a mental illness or mm. recognizing a noticeable change in someone's mood um and then you know 
I guess then taking um, a proactive response to try to help these individuals. But you know, a lot of it, a lot of a lot of time, it's just sort of you know, refer, get them to a professional, get them to a doctor, get them to a psychiatrist, get them to a psychologist, get them into get them the in. mainstream matrix way of doing things, which is mate, funded by all the wrong people and, and producing awful outcomes. And I guess you know. S- you know, I'm, I'm going to apply my own lens to this, I guess, because, uh, yeah, I'm totally invested in saving people's lives and, and, and coming up with real solutions to these problems. And I guess, like, man, I, I look at, you know, some, there is some actually really good stuff like that uh, in that program, I guess, being able to identify when someone's crook and, and, and knowing how to get them help. But it's like getting them the right help, you know, getting them to see a, a medical professional, I mean, sadly, the training is, is, is so outdated that I, I don't know if and that's going to be that helpful. I, I still think it's worth doing, but like, I mean... It's, it's worth doing because it, it deals with suicidal situations quite well. You know, if someone yeah. is suicidal, then that's a really valuable tool. You need to get them to a doctor, you know? Like, there's, it's not like, hey, brothers, like, you're suicidal, go and meditate for an hour and come back and tell me, you know, it's, it's how, how you're feeling, you're all good. I, I still, uh, I actually think that that would be better than seeing a do? doctor. Yeah. yeah, I just feel that they, these people still need to talk and if if you, if someone get if you if your mate gets to a point where he's suicidal and he still hasn't opened up to you, still hasn't talked, mm. you need... They, they, that, that's that, that, in my opinion, I think you go and seek a professional. Where, whether you equip them with the knowledge to go in there and say, "Hey, look, you can say no to these prescriptions that you're taking," but they're going to, I guess, analyze and explore certain parts of your biology and your mental, you know, your mental construct, and then mm. say, "Okay, it might help the individual understand." maybe what's going on with, with inside them a little bit more. Um, but I wouldn't, I still wouldn't be encouraging them to go on and see a psych, uh, a psych psychiatrist and, and pick up medication, you know? Yeah, I mean, but, it seems to be like GPs and psychiatrists are so likely to just prescribe you out. with pills. Yeah, Psychologists have a really good feedback, uh, can do, depending on the individual. A lot of psychologists are woefully out of touch with yeah. uh, where the science is at and, and the various mechanisms that are non-medicine based for pulling through these really difficult times. Mm. And still understanding the patient that's in front of them as well. Mm. Yeah, look, yeah, I'm, not, I'm not bagging psychs, but I've had a little bit to do um, with helping some, some clients over the last couple of years and, you know, going to appointments with them with a psych and some of the stuff, like we're going, we're going back there every fortnight and I'm like, like you, he, they're not, they're not, fully understanding what the individual's personality and they're not equipping them with any strategies or coping mechanisms. They're just going, they're, they're literally just going in there for a conversation and they're like, oh, okay, well, we'll, we'll, we'll revisit this next time. And it's like, bros, like you're sending him home. He's going to go, once he get on the pierce, he wants to fucking chuff his head off. Cause that's the culture as well. Like, you know, everyone around him is doing that. So why, yeah, why yeah. wouldn't they want to do it? Yeah. Like they're missing out or they feel like that's, it's abnormal not to do those things. Correct. What, what we do has not been normalized yet by the culture or by the mainstream medical uh, industry. Mm, mm. So yeah, look, um, yeah, yeah. Back, back to the mental health. It's it's really good with connecting someone that is in that that dire situation that really needs like needs intervention essentially, and it doesn't have to be a professional like within the program. They recommend um, you know family member, sports coach. 
um, you know, someone at work. So, you, you know, it's not just you're going to see a doctor, but when you're in a suicidal position, mm. when they're really just hanging on by a thread, um, yeah, that, that this is what Mental Health First Aid Australia mm. recommend is you get them to a hospital or you get them to a doctor. And then from that point on, it's all about the road to recovery. Yeah, and the which re- they don't, which they don't touch. They're this not is touch. this is sim- this is purely a band aid. A band aid, and and that's the problem with it is it's not preventative. There's no like the, there's programs now starting to be developed that are preventative, but you know these are all like you said. It's just a it's just a band aid. It's once someone's at that threshold where they're about to break, that's when this program is meant for intervention whereas you want to intervene before people are broken you want to intervene and equip people with these skills before they develop a mental illness but the thing is like once you've reached suicidal ideation you basically you know you've you're on a a path that's been preordained to you usually by some level of trauma that that shit just doesn't just come out of nowhere and it's one of the problems i think with a lot of the conversations around people who've taken their own lives you know it's always the conversation's always like you know that was s- such a, a great person and um, all, all this is true right they're such a great person and um, you know this kind of came out of the blue and and this and that but like did it did it really like you know what really were the circumstances of their upbringing what what mm. what was the likelihood that they suffered um, some kind of incident or multiple incidents that put them on this path you know mm. it's about having really honest conversations about the triggering events that put them on this path to suicidal ideation, to mental illness mm. and understanding the road in and then understanding the road out. out you, yeah. Those two things are so important. It's, it's a long, it's a long path. Mm. It's a long journey. I'm on it. I'm like fucking, and I end up, you know, in and out of, of those kind of gnarly ruts mm. with suicidal thoughts and, and whatever. But, you know, I guess what was helpful was, understanding what got me there what put me in that situation and psychologists can help a little bit with Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. if they ask the right questions often they don't often they just don't care enough or they're just having a chat yeah Mm -hmm. they're they're not really you know boring in on like what was your upbringing like how many head injuries have you had like Mm -hmm. these kind of fundamental questions yeah yeah yeah. Um, what were you disconnected from yeah what were you where was the disconnections where was the trauma like you know that that i've seen multiple psychologists and uh i can't think of yeah maybe yeah and now maybe two of them well, okay, I guess I've probably seen like five or something, you know, mm. just on that mental health plan over the years. Mm. Um, and I think they're getting more onto it in that mm. respect. But once you understand the road in, you can begin to slowly, bit by bit, work your way out. And it is a long process. And I don't think that the, the mental health industry and the mainstream medical industry understands or wants to really truthfully understand how long this process is but it's not an unpleasant process there's so much good that comes on the other side of um you know surviving it yeah once you fully choose life Mm. if you choose life as a as a mantra as an intention every day you know the information and and the people and uh, the universe begins to give you all the the options and opportunities that you need to continue choosing life day in day out Mm. um taking a fucking peel off the pharmaceutical benefits scheme 
I don't know what that is, whether that's yeah. choosing life or not. It's a Band-Aid, I it's think. It's a Band-Aid. It's, it's, it's not – it's just going to keep you static on that road to recovery. Mm. And that road, it takes real work. Mm. And, um, you know, th- that's where all the wisdom and strength and, and beauty in life is, I think, is, is taking up that challenge and uh, just plotting your way out bit by bit, mm. being honest about where you're at. Um, and coming to the end of that journey with – a plethora of skills that you wouldn't have necessarily had if you sat there and listened to, you know, the, the medical professional and mm. and took your pills and went along with with your daily routine. Yeah, who and these medical professionals they often haven't been through it themselves, mm. you yeah. know. So why the fuck would they know? Mm. What possible insights could they have into the conditions you're dealing with uh, when they haven't dipped their toe in that water ever before? You know, that, yeah. that's a real problem with a lot of the. The industry of, you know, whether it be community outreach programs or medical professionals, it's like, you know, often they're coming from university educated, middle class backgrounds, and they're going into really deprived, um, traumatized communities and trying to give them advice in how to survive with a funny accent and a funny value system, funny clothes and funny cars, pretending they understand. And they know they don't understand. They're doing it for the coin. Mm. And, um, you know, this is a, a well-documented aspect of the, the wellness and the, the community outreach kind of industry. It is now an industry. There's mm. a great book by a Scottish Hauso guy, um, Darren McGarvey, called Poverty Safari mm. that's really instructive uh, on this topic. And, he, you know, he makes the point in the book of, of being in the crowd when these, like, middle-class, like, Scottish organizations would come to his house community and just being so like bemused by these people trying to tell them how to survive life when they've got fucking no idea what it's like to grow up in that kind of community and he realized that the only way to actually help people in his community was if he was he he did it himself Mm. because he understands their experience well there's no listen to him there's no connection to that different demographic you know the middle class demographic from from you know the people that are struggling within poverty so I don't with mental health, mental illness, a great step forward is connection and understanding, you know, where the culture lies, whether where, where where how you can relate to someone, how you and that that's going to ultimately build your understanding of a person's identity as well. So when we have these professionals coming from different backgrounds and different demographics and then trying to address the poverty problem and put and believing that they've They've got the, the the understanding and the experience to be able to deal with these situations. They they couldn't nearly be more far apart from mm. from the individuals that they're trying to fix, like or trying to help. Like it's and that's just the reality. That's just the reality of the way it is. Like it, it's very hard to establish middle ground with someone if you're not from their community and you're not from their experience. Yeah, they're just there's a. There's a social matrix at play. There's conditioning at play mm. that is impossible for both of you to understand. Mm. All's you, all's that you both know is that you're not connecting, yeah. and that the proof is in the pudding of, uh, you know, how much of a dismal failure most of these these organisations and initiatives are. I mean, like the, the the central thesis of that book, Poverty Safari, is that they're not out to cure poverty and dysfunction because if they cured it, all these people would be out of a job. Mm. You're correct. The industry would be shut. That's yeah, one of the most you know, influential industries that are operating. So full yeah. of do-gooders, people who you know want to do meaningful work, but um, essentially they're not actually there to, to cure the problem. Uh, so, yeah, 
I, I always favor that that DIY yeah. uh, response and also people from within those communities, those deprived and dysfunctional communities, the ones who do survive it, going back to work in those communities. Mm. And, and, and I mean, um, I think that that's really the only way. Well, or, or if I still think in a certain way that these professionals as you, you call them um would be able to they could still help but they're just not they're not coming to these communities with the right tools like if they came in and 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 went all right we're going to run workshops on health and well-being instead of coming in and trying to help people understand mental illness and and how your brain works if they're coming in and they're going forget about that we're just going to give you a bunch of skills that are just going to make you feel that fucking good mm. that would be way more effective than coming in and trying to complicate things and trying to move things around and help people understand this and that like they don't they don't have the tertiary education that you've had and s- sat there for 6 years reading mm. books to mm. understand definitions like a lot more of these people are probably more like practical, hands-on kind of learners, you know? Yeah, and it's just about also listening. Like maybe the the person from the university background, you know, they don't know what the experience is like of the people who are struggling with mental health issues because of poverty and trauma. So maybe just ask them, you know, just, <laughs> just fucking go, look, man, like what can we do to help this? And, you know, guaranteed, like a lot of the problems just come down to scarcity of financial resources mm. and, uh, you know, uh, like a lot of family trauma, a lot of addiction issues, intergenerational trauma. It, it's a fucking big matzo ball, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's hard to fix, but... Um, it's a wicked problem, essentially. Like, how do you, fi- how do you fix that, you know? And- yeah, you have public housing in um, affluent areas, that's one really obvious step, you know, not just putting all the public housing in one big fuck off ghetto, like two hours away from the city center, which is what is done in every major Margin- city. Marginalizing that sector. fucking Paris to Sydney yeah. to LA to Scotland and England Island. Like well, that. look, I was studying PNG and all the money, the wealth, the resources for health are within two provinces and the rest of them are fucking all defending for themselves, barely any medical resources. Like, mm. that's where all the money is and that's where all the care goes and the rest of the lower socioeconomic provinces don't get even a look at it. Mm. And that's in, that's in one of the most poverty-stricken countries around. Like, it's, mm. it's, 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 it's how society's constructed all over the world. Yeah, and I always just thought switching roles is a great one. You know, like, maybe the, the CEO of the the freaking community outreach program that's, you know, siphoning off millions of dollars from the government each year to do do their work. Maybe that CEO could uh, swap roles with one of the people he's trying to help. So maybe like, uh, you know, if there's a a guy from this impoverished community doing well um, who's, you know, battled through the university and is surviving, maybe put, make him the CEO. Yeah, give him a go. Yeah. Chuck him on the board. Exactly. Have some input. Exactly. Uh, you know, just switching roles as much as possible. I think that builds empathy like nothing else, you know. And, you know, working in a soup kitchen is one thing to, to kind of build an understanding of what it's like at the bottom end of society. But it, it's really mm. just a, a couple of hours or a one-day-a-week thing. I think you've got to, like, you've got to live that to, yeah. to really understand where all the pressure points are, where all the system failures are. Or if you're not going to live that, you need someone with lived experience to advise you on it. Yeah, absolutely. You basically need someone with lived experience to And be, then you go, oh, fuck, I don't know how to deal with that. Yeah. Let me go and just consult old mate over here. 
you know, and, and so that you're not going, oh, yeah, I think this is how it's going to be done. You mm. know, this is how everyone else, this is how this society is constructed. Like, how about we just roll with that model, mm. you know? Totally. And I guess, like, you know, a big thrust for this podcast is that, um, you know, I do have lived the experience of growing up super poor in mm. Sydney with a single mother. And I, I do have experience of like heavy trauma and heavy mental health issues that I barely survived. So, I come into these conversations with ideas that to a middle-class university educated like mind might seem quote unquote dangerous or, um, you know, irresponsible, Mm. but it's helped me. And it's, they, 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 well, it's coming from someone with, with that lived experience. So there's no, you can't, you can't argue it. They kept me alive when when shit was, when shit was rough. So, and and I I want, I truly want that for other people. Uh, and you know people like me and I, I see you know the following that we've generated and and the endless kind of messages we get we get the craziest messages from people man like i say crazy and like such telling, a, telling you this man mental health journey mate i'm gonna read one out um this one's a ripper from a fella in the states who was on the quote-unquote american mental health diet and mental uh diet. oh yeah well that was an actual diet constructed to to help your your brain yeah to get him off uh, whatever he was on here we go oh sorry one second i'm gonna find on my phone this would be interesting especially coming from the states uh in the meantime man yeah. i guess uh tell us a bit about some of the other kind of practicalities of the program that you're running just like what what does it involve on a person-to-person basis like what are the where, where are the big wins being had for the healthy minds club um big wins we've this this it's kind of it's kind of hard to nail one i guess we've had i'd like to consider um that youth mental health so that youth mental health course i was talking about earlier um we we fundraise along with the ball and all and then a bunch of other local um organizations to provide um training to every student within the balance shire in years seven and ten um so that was a pretty big milestone for us we were able to cover close to 800 kids um within you know sort of sort of three three months i think it was covered over that was back in 2021 um and then yeah the most recent program that we were trying to address the youth suicide within um the lennox head community uh we had a, a lot of feedback um from parents which essentially was what we wanted everyone to take home is we wanted to equip the parents with the skills to then be able to you know transfer that on and instill those strategies and resilient skills within their you know within their their kids their grommies so um we after our 2021 program with the mental health first aid we uh we approached the schools again to try run another program um, but we didn't really get that greater reception so um, we were, you know, we were sort of scratching our heads for a while as to like, why don't the schools want to jump on board with us? Um, and we kind of felt that there were some, there definitely were some schools within the Balanchine that were like, yep, let's roll, let's go. Like we're there, 
were there 100 percent of the way there are other schools that you didn't even get a response after three emails sending to them and like we're trying to pay for resources like this is not going to cost your school anything like we've got the money we've organized a program let's go and just cricket so for us to put a pro for us to go okay like we had to sort of redirect it and go all right well if we can't get into the schools then we're going to have to run our own community-based program and to have um to have feedback from the from the p- parents that we were t- directly trying to influence um and it all be positive and and you know changing for for a lot of their p- perspectives on how they parent their children um that was probably the biggest win that we've had um we've put we've put sort of 80 60 60 70 80 old people through mental health first aid um a community project um so we have you know members within the community um trained within there but in terms of actually kicking goals and actually being uh, getting that satis- satisfactory feeling, it would have been um, the, the the run of community events that we've just had. Sick. Well, I've dug up that message and I'm going to read it. All right, Jacko, this comes from Esto over there in the States. He wrote, Smivy, I've been out of touch, but I haven't forgot about you all down there. You and Deadly are the cunts who keep a smile on my face, always laughs and deep knowledge. I can't tell you how much... You have contributed to my path to better mental health. I'm doing Wim Hof every day, coming on a year this month. Wim Hof and 100 push-ups before I even pinch a loaf in the morning. Fucking oath. What a weapon, eh? (laughs) I've been on an American mental health diet for over a decade. Benzos, 2 milligram. Xanax, 1 milligram. Clonopin, antidepressant. Effexor and bupinephrine. Bup, I think, is an opioid. 1 milligram. Subutec, um... That's my breakfast for over a decade. I'm down to one milligram a day of Subutec and I'm weaning off my Xanax down to 1.5 milligrams a day. It was a choice and path I had to take, but you and the Swellians steered me to the road I'm on now. Surfing, skating, swimming laps, Tabata workouts, and the legend Wim Hof every day. Definitely fit, but more for the mental health. Um, yeah. Wow. And... Uh, what was his That's name? That's the story. That's Esther. Esther. Uh, wow. How's his diet? There. Yeah. That's, I was like, I was, when you when you said diet, I thought like, oh, they're going to be feeding him with some food, but no. Nah. Yeah. That's I guess the Matrix, yeah, Matrix way of doing things and uh, versus the non-Matrix way of doing things. I mean, just talk to us about mental health literacy and like, you know, what are the basics that people are most commonly getting wrong? So I guess we can start with just some of the fundamental pillars of health like sleep and and sleep hygiene for example Mm. um i think i think we're being overstimulated essentially so uh, spending too much time on screens um having not having the correct light um not having not having the correct practices like we've been talking about essentially yeah like with sleep you know, Andrew Hoobman, his podcast is super instructive on this. Sleep hygiene is critical, man, because mm. you cannot have good Cause mental it, health. Because it, it helps regulate your endocrine. Yeah, I mean, it does a, a number of things. Like, you know, you can't have good mental health. You just can't without good sleeping patterns and the ability to, to sleep well. Like, yeah. they've shown that a good sleep is a far more powerful antidepressant than antidepressants. Yeah, wow. You know, like, this is all in that, that book by Johan Hari, uh, Lost Connection, which is an absolute must read for anyone interested in this space, which should be everyone. Mm. But, um, you know, sleep's critical and, and sleep hygiene is, is a term that basically refers to fundamental practices like 
um, not looking at a screen an hour before bed, having lights that are below eye level, like waist level, that are soft lights. You know, when you wake up in the morning, the first 10 minutes, you should be looking at natural light. That sets your circadian rhythm. And when the sun goes down, you should be looking at natural light. I mean, we're built for this. Mm. We are human beings who have evolved over millions of years of, um, you know, being in nature. So you, you can't cut yourself off from nature, live in a suburban home, and, and think you're going to be okay. Kid yourself. That it'll you, make you sick. And yeah. it'll make you sick in a, a slow and insidious way, like a, a, a noxious gas mm. that's just mm. pouring through the windows and doors that's mm. invisible. Mm. Sleep hygiene, absolutely critical. Um, I mean, moving down the list, like diet. Any tips on diet? Make sure you're pumping yourself with the right vitamins and minerals at the start of the day would be my my best be my tip with the diet like um i've been i've cut down i guess for myself i've sort of been playing around my diet a little bit i've been cutting down on meat like i was eating a shitload of meat and um mainly for the reason that i was getting some weird stuff happening with my gut and i just didn't feel like i was fully energized you know like i was sort of waking up a little like i don't know a little bit like hungover kind of thing like and just my stomach wasn't feeling right so as soon as over the last you know my partner's been really good with it and she's sort of like look just follow my lead like i'll i'll, I'll sort out the meals I'll, I'll get creative with that kind of thing but we're just going to reduce we're just not going to buy meat unless we go out or we go to a barbecue or something like that you know where you sort of want to treat yourself so i feel finding that for myself i've got my stomach is a whole lot happier and your gut to brain is directly correlated. Mm. So I've, I feel like more switched on, like feel more, I'm just, yeah, just got more energy. You yeah. Know? Like I, if I have a big, big bowl of lentils the next day, I'm zinging, mm. like I'm good to go. And yeah. I just, I'd be wary about uh, warning people not to eat meat. Oh, hundred percent. I'm not, not definitely yeah. not saying that, but for me personally, I was eating too much meat, mm. um, feeling sluggish, sort of having some gut problems, wasn't feeling like I was sharp and on point in okay. my, in mentally. Yeah, that, that's good anecdotal uh, information. I guess um, from a more science-backed perspective, I know that, you know, very simple protocols, just fucking don't eat fried food, yeah. don't eat fast food, um, don't eat processed food, just mm. don't eat any of that shit. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty easy not to. It's yeah. really easy not to. Yeah. Um, you know, and you, once you, a week maybe, but you know, also like uh, you know, a lot of carbs and, and stuff like that shows up in the brain as uh, – I can't exactly remember the terminology as like insulin or mm. glucose. You, you want to be – Glucosamine. You, you don't want to be insulin resistant. You want to be insulin sensitive. sensitive so, yeah. um, I mean, that, that's kind of – that's good for, for brain injuries and, and avoiding early onset Alzheimer's and, and dementia and that kind of stuff. Um, but – Eating the rainbow, mm. you know, eating as many colors of, mm. of foods Food, and, and vegetables yeah. as you can. Yeah. Eating in, like eating seasonally mm-hmm. is, a, is a really obvious, basic way uh, to eat that's in, in line term, with our in, evolutionary needs. In terms of what do you mean? How to, just just describe that a little bit more, like seasonally, in terms of like picking the right fruit and the right veggies that are meant to flourish in that season. Yeah, eat yeah. what's in season. Yeah, yeah, you know, um, and eat eat. Eat from grocers. Go to grocers. Yeah. Uh, avoid Woolies because you know your grocers generally have what's in season. Yep. Whereas Woolies, they'll stock you around the same shit. Yeah. They also favour, um, you know, high fructose fruits and, and stuff that you know in nature mm. w- we wouldn't have been able to really 
source abundantly like we can now in uh, your average shopping centre. So, you know, just just be wary of sugar, like yeah. in all its forms, even the fruit form. And, and I feel, I guess, I'm probably not eating solids as well in the morning. So I'll just blend up a, a, a smoothie with, I've got my super greens um, and then I just chuck in banana, berries, coconut flakes, bit of honey. Mm. And then that will sustain me till I'm, you know, I feel I need to eat again at like one or two o'clock where I just have you know something small and I just feel that it gives it, I don't get weighed down I don't like feel like after a meal I don't feel like oh like fuck I need a yeah. breather you know it's just like go, I can just go 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 and I, you know I find those big fructose hits can be were an issue for me for sure big mm. sugar spikes in the morning were fucking gnarly and actually created like like some like some of the down worst sort of mental thing. health issues I had was was on the back of just eating like way Lots too many fruit. sugary fruits yeah, straight well, off the bat and, yeah. and, not, and not realizing, like thinking in my mind that these are all healthy. They seem like healthy fruits and they taste delicious, but when combined all together, it's still a massive Massive hit of sugar. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I guess, yeah, I sort of, maybe with me not drinking coffee in the morning, like it probably kind of enacts the same response maybe is what I, I don't know it's what coffee is kind of a bit of a stimulant a bit of like an energy spike or something like that maybe that's why i feel that it's still quite beneficial for me as opposed to yourself but um i've yeah i've found that I don't know, like i'm a big lad and i was eating like when i was eating so like a lot of meat and a lot of food like i was just i was eating a lot of stuff and i was processing it because i was burning it with a lot of exercise but i, I just like i've just come to realize like it wasn't fully necessary and in terms of sustainability i'm way more happier knowing that i'm not smashing a whole fridge worth of food in a couple of days you know like i'm able to live a little bit more sustainably just through i guess fixing certain aspects of my diet and just shifting things around like i haven't completely cut anything out like i'm obviously not going to be going and binging on all those you know unhealthy uh, foods that you, you said before, fried foods, processed foods, or all, all that kind of stuff. I'm not, but you know, I'm not. I'm, I'm still. If I'm out there with me mates and we're at the pub or something, and we're like, let's have a countery feed. I'm mm. not going to say no oh, to that. 100%. Yeah, yeah. No, neither would I. Um, and yeah, I guess. Uh, uh, completely lost what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> but. Uh, other areas, I guess, real fundamental areas, I mean, just connection, like yeah. social isolation is one of the, the quickest routes to mental illness. And yeah. you talked about intervention before. Um, I think one of the really key key markers for when an intervention is needed is, is when someone starts going AWOL a bit and just disappearing. Yeah. Uh, and it's such a, a tricky one because the more you isolate, the more you want to isolate. Mm. Uh, I've been down this path um, and so it's like you're feeling a bit sick you're feeling a bit off you're feeling irritable you're feeling you know antisocial you're not going to be social you're going to uh, lock yourself off and then the, the deterioration gets quite severe from that point um, it's such a hard one because you know, you're an unpleasant person to be around. So mm. people will often shun you too mm. because they don't if they're want, not understanding they're not know, understanding yeah. which is Super common. Yeah. You know, yeah. No matter how understanding you are, if someone's just a, a cunt to be around because they're fucking ratty mm. and angry and frustrating, like there's only so much of your own mental health you can give up for someone else. Yep. But if you are a really good mate 
um, you know, it, it's important to realize that you might be about to lose them. Mm. Like, mm. and uh, to, just to, 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 you have to figure out a way to get around those people and get them back into the, the rhythm of communal life. hundred percent. And I, I th- that was pretty well the main determinant of, of the organization. And, you know, I'm not the only person that operates the Healthy Minds Club um, where I'm co-founded with one of my best mates, Lachlan Jones. And we came together after um, uh, the death of, uh, of both myself and Lachlan, a couple of our mates um, passed. And we just, there was no supports locally. Like the community had nothing set up. There was no like, there was no anything based within the community to support that. And it, it, it was like if I, I put my, we both put ourselves in the shoes of our mates and we were like, fuck, they must feel like they're just walking around these streets on their own or they're just like, they, they must feel so bloody lonely. So that was the premise behind it is that we, we create a healthy minds community so that people, if they don't have anything else, at least they can they can follow us on social media or they can come down to our events that we hold and at least, you know, within their own psychology feel that they're a part of something. Mm, mm, yeah. And I believe like that's been now our drive and our theory behind that the whole time is that we're creating a group that is very approachable for anybody that might be dealing with these situations or anyone that just wants to learn a little bit more about it and wants to sort of enter that space as well. But but the community part of it, you see it with not only us but the Bodie Boys, which is a fitness group down in Lennox Head, and they get together twice a week. And They're doing amazing go, they work. They go bananas, kind of, mate. Yeah, yeah they, go. they were doing these kind of weekly meetups at dawn down there. I said I'd go down there a thousand times. Never made it. Hard for me to get to Lennox by dawn. But, uh, yeah, um, incredible, incredible crew. But, you know, just that's the same premise is that, like, create a community and have it welcoming and inviting and then the members of your community will feel more inclined to reach out for help or they'll feel more supported and they might not go down such a dark road or so they might not go down that continuum of poor mental health until mm. it gets to the point where they are suicidal so yeah the whole the whole um, connection and, and premise of having that mental health community is so important. Just mm. and that, that that should be that should be spread throughout every sect of the yeah. world. Like, yeah, and I, I think it's a, it can be a bit of a mistake to look at being suicidal as just this one chapter. Like, usually mm. people who have ended up suicidal will end up there again and again. Like, or well, that's been my experience anyway. Yeah. And it's not that you are suicidal. It's just that you get suicidal thoughts. Mm-hmm. But suicidal thoughts are, are nothing. They're, mm. they're as fucking stupid as every other dumb thought that you have. And there's, I think there's 150,000 thoughts, thoughts a day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, and they're all, like, they're almost all of them are just gibberish. Yeah. That, and that's where the awareness comes into it and just being above your thoughts, not, thinking about Rational, not thinking about thinking. thoughts or oh, why yeah. do I have that thought um, yeah so I guess it's just a helpful way to understand these acute mental health issues is that you know chance it, it, it's not about it, it's about developing a level of detachment uh, from that chapter because it's probably going to come back but you just have to be better at handling it each time and each mm. time and eventually it will go away if you just if it just becomes well you become so good at at processing those emotions when they come to you that it's not a process that takes four weeks it's something that can take a couple of days because you're equipped with that knowledge and that experience that like okay i can i guess in a way kind of rationally think my way 
you know, back to, you know, somewhat of a, of a better mental health. Mm, mm, 100%. I also think that expecting people to reach out is often unrealistic. Mm. It just doesn't go down that 100%. way. It, it takes fucking so much courage and goes against like almost every bit of intuition that's been, well, in, not intuition, but ego mind to speak up when you're in the doldrums yeah. at, at, the, at the real back end of some acute mental illness. And I think... Um, and that's, that's the biggest thing for our, men, our health and wellness organisations that we're trying to target, you know, with the free supports that we're offering, we're really trying to target and really trying to get in touch with these people to offer financial, organisational support for them. But like you said, it's so damn hard to to actually know where they are because they're isolated and mm-hmm. they're not actually chucking their hand up. Well, some, some of them do. So, you know, we, we do get people mm. you know, contact us regularly for help. Full credit to those people. That's yeah. such a show of incredible strength and resilience. To a to random, like to, to contact us Man. like randomly. Like wow. don't even, they don't even know who they're talking to. It's just like, like, hey, Healthy Minds Club, like I need, I need this. I need, can you help me with this? Can you help me with that? Like, If I was the dude on the phone, I'd be like, do six rounds of Wim Hof now. <laughs> now, yeah. Like that would be my first, very first piece of advice. Yeah. Um, and uh, sadly, like that, that advice is never coming to you from, you know, your lifelines and beyond blues, I, I would imagine. No. Um, anyway. Um, and I guess the other aspect to that is just being able to accommodate people who are feeling like that, like knowing how to, you know, like knowing that just like they're not going to be, talkative they're not going to want to talk mm. you know and that's fine you know j- just being around someone when they're sick is enough just being with them sitting next to them ideally in Connection. front of a fire doesn't yeah. have to be said yeah. can just be a presence and bit by bit the the, the cortisol the stress or the, the fucked up internal environment that's being created by the years of trauma and negative behaviors and substance abuse and and, and whatever else Bit by bit, it subsides. It always subsides. Mm. After a while, no matter how fucked you're feeling, if you do the right things, i.e., you know, a bit of exercise, a bit of uh, communing with people, a bit of fucking breath work, whatever, it'll, it'll go away eventually and you'll be back to, you'll, you'll get a clean slate eventually. You always get the reset eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes the most immediate stage of that is simply just sitting with people in silence, you know, you, you, the hard thing about talking when you're feeling depressed and, and, and whatnot is that like depression manifests as anger and irritability and, and just getting words out can feel like coughing up fucking rocks, you know, it's yeah. just like, it's hard and it, you're almost angry at the happiness around you mm. because you feel so fucked and it's hard, man. That's just... That's the nature of the illness. It's such a kind of an illness that it... To, it, to, to try to come out from an outside, like, you know, to try to support someone in that turn. Exactly. Aspect. And, and, and they can often be aggravating. You know, the person trying to support you can be aggravating because they're, you know, oh, like they're trying, but, you know, really all that you need is just someone to be next to you yeah. in science. Yeah. I mean, I, that's a personal, that's fully anecdotal, no science. Yeah. Um, but that's well, one mental- way of doing it. Just be ready to, to deal with a person who's not in a good way and just sit with them. I will give mental health first aid a bit of credit. Um, and they, they, actually, they actually deconstruct the ways in which you should approach someone that's you know, dealing with 
a mental illness and and in a suicidal situation and they say exactly what you said then like don't sit down face to face like we're doing now and ask him directly about you know their 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 feelings their emotions this kind of thing ask him indirect questions sit beside them sit go into a casual setting where you're not facing each other you don't have that eye contact staring at the fire dude i swear there is something well that's just good for you isn't it eh? isn't it yeah and like that's it can be can be all you need and and and, you know just eventually there'll be like a little flicker of positivity Mm. in amongst those flames it might take an hour it might take two hours might take three hours there'll there'll be a little slither of light will creep in and that's all you need sometimes and and from that slither you know that person will work to life they'll they'll make a quip they'll make it they'll they'll engage Mm. and and then that's that's your window you've got the light there and and, and it's and and just fucking hold on to that light and, and and cherish it and 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 build it and, and that that's the you know it's starting to leak into the darkness at that point but yeah go on man i'm so fascinated i don't know enough about the the mental health first aid program but that's yeah that's yes. it that's a great that, bit yeah, of advice yeah like so um yeah you know they, they sort of yeah walk you through as to if you like i said before you're, you're sitting down with them not directing anything direct but you know if you're you, you start talking about how you're feeling, then you get a gauge for how they're feeling, and then if you sort of suss something's off, then you're you're approaching it. But nothing is direct, and especially when you're speaking to someone, like it's never it's never from the you're never trying to express the observer's perspective. So you're never coming up to someone saying, "Hey, Smithy, like fuck, mate, you look pretty ratchet today, eh?" Like it's never it's like, or it's never, "Hey, Smithy, like." You know, me and 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 Poochie and a few of the other boys, we, we've sort of had a chat and we've gone, look, fuck, you, you look pretty pretty bad. You're sort mm. of coming in indirectly and going, mate, you, every, everything all good? Like, you know, like I, I noticed that you didn't come for a surf yesterday. Were you busy or something like that, you know? So instead of just coming straight at it and going, this is the perspective from da-da-da-da-da, this is what it looks like, you're just, just trying to like massage your way in and and I guess create that casual setting and that relaxed environment so that someone can have the confidence to even if it's like you said just the smallest little bit of vulnerability or or, or emotion that they're trying to ex- express it's all you're doing is just trying to create as much of a, a relaxed environment that they feel safe in and that they're not feeling like anything's being directed you know like subjectively to them mm. it's more just 100 percent, yeah because even asking you know questions about how they're feeling and and, and stuff like that or can be like, very or, evoking for them yeah it can be almost accusatory you know yeah. like where 100%. you feel like you, you're being singled out um I, I i think from my perspective one thing i always do i always make it a point to do this is, is to always to include everyone i i'm not exclusive i'm 100% inclusive. I don't want people ever to feel left out on account of uh, an event or something that I've created. I'm always running the, the opposite thing. Even if, even if I don't necessarily, uh, you know, that person might be a, a bit of a black sheep or the, they might be that dysfunctional or, or traumatized person. That'll probably be the first person I invite mm. just because like that person was me a lot of the time. Mm. And getting excluded because you know you are that difficult person to be around or that you're a bit bombastic is is a fucked up feeling mm. because you know you're, you're being excluded based on a presumption conditioning or... that was out of your control 
you know, yeah, like, yeah. and it, it, people, especially up here in the Northern Rivers, like a lot of people, uh, you know, they, they pride themselves on being like woke and inclusive and shit like this. But if you share a different opinion to them, you're fucking gone you instantly. Down. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's yeah. like, it's such a comical um, contradiction. And, and people are actually very fragile up here uh, a lot of the time, in my experience, in terms of, you know, being around people who are a bit fucking ratty and have hard edges and, and sharp edges. And it's easy to find yourself on the outer over fucking almost nothing. nothing yeah. Like at home, you know, where I grew up, people would punch on with each other and still be friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Up here, it's like you, you fucking say the uh, express a politically uh, inconvenient belief and you, you that's enough you know what i mean like um so yeah just being inclusive uh it's such a big one man fuck it it feel it's a horrible feeling feeling left out isn't it yeah and you're you know you're always coming into it with with that open perspective as you're not shutting down anything that they're throwing back at you you know you you mm. receive you're receiving everything and just letting them download like mm. there's no there's no you're not for you're not there to form any judgment when you're trying to support these people. You literally just they're trying to coax them into sharing, mm. you know. And it's just, it's yeah. It doesn't matter what your buddy fucking perspective or your what you know what you feel. If you're dealing with someone in that situation, just let them express what they've got mm, to express. Mm. Now I can't get out of here, Jacko, without asking you whether you're coming to Swellness, mate. Mate, I'm so pumped for it, eh? I oh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to see what bags are tricks you've got up your sleeve and put us i know you're going to put us through a bit of torture and you're also going to yeah give us give us a, a pretty good party as well oh there'll be there'll be uh shenanigans there'll be festivities but i think um uh, you know a big part of it is as we discussed earlier it, it's presenting all the the cutting edge knowledge at the pointy end of this, you know, health and well-being game. But more importantly, it's also about giving people the tools and doing it with them alongside them. All of us doing it together because it can seem – when you're talking about mental illness in the Western world, it can seem like the solution is so complicated. Like we are talking about it before, you know, like how you're meant to so- solve – problems when they exist in the magnitude of giant public housing ghettos in fucking all, you know all over the western world people in, wicked problems that don't necessarily have a definitive answer of how to solve it you know it's like, it's such a multi-layered approach that needs to come in but that said um there are sustaining tools mm. that can be delivered to people and they can be done on a daily basis basis and they will get you through those situations and they'll open you up to opportunities that'll allow you to survive that situation get out of that situation and hopefully be able to return to that situation better Mm. and able to to you know keep lifelining people out of that situation Mm. because waiting for the mainstream matrix the the mainstream you know financial system the mainstream housing market to catch up to where we need to be. I don't think it'll ever be there. No. These people don't give a fuck, mate. They, they make all their money off making you sick yep. uh, and making you poor. And rehabilitating and, you to then rehabilitate you to rehabilitate you. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. It's, it's such an industry in uh, not providing solutions to these problems. A practical. Yeah. yeah. So, and, and, and it's, yeah, it's going to be epic because we're going to have the best of the best actually 
instructing us and giving us that practical knowledge you know it's not just i'm watching a, a youtube video and sort of you know half guessing we're going like at the swellness retreat we're going to have the best of the best showing us and walking us through it so yeah i'm actually pumped to get all of that information and be equipped with and you know be confidently equipped with all those essential skills that i need to manage my mental health yeah and we've cherry-picked those people who come from those fucked up communities from those fucked up traumatic backgrounds who've survived it and we're putting them on a pedestal and allowing them to speak to their own people. And we're going to have people there uh, who aren't paying guests, who yep. are people from those same communities. With some pretty powerful lived experience. Yeah, we're making this properly inclusive. Um, we're bringing in as many authentic voices who've lived this struggle. You know, Tom Carroll, fucking, you know, a guy who went down the... the the fucking abyss of methamphetamine and cocaine addiction and meditate his way out of it. Richie Baculic, a guy from public housing in Maroubra, the son of some, you know, war-torn refugees from Europe. Mm. Um, Dean Morrison, a, a victim of childhood um, neglect and abuse and trauma. Um, you know, Nathan Hedge, another guy who was a, an alcoholic and he's in recovery. You know, victims of domestic violence, or not domestic violence, but, you know, male on female violence like Jody Cooper mm. and who's also the first ever gay athlete. Mm. Um, and this is just the tip of the iceberg of the, the people we're going to have there. So, um, yeah, it is really all about just real people with real advice that may not be politically correct, but fuck, it's, it's survived. It's proven, proven that it's going to work. It's proven that it's going to work and we're all going to be doing the work together. It's yep. going to be mental. A lot of energy around that. Creating mega energy. Like It's so skits, the amount of energy that you can create yourself. And, and when you do it together, the energy is just multiplied. So it'll be a full trip out. Like uh, I've never done anything remotely oh, like this. Neither. No, it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be a buzz. Uh, I've got Elements Festival the weekend before, so it's going to fix me up good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. And like, I mean, it'd be so ridiculous of us to totally rip out all the festivities and, and, and music and, and drinking and whatever else like um because that's not realistic of the society we live in and, and fuck that's a hell time like holy shit we'll, we'll, don't abuse it but have a good yeah, time yeah that's right that's right um so yeah it's gonna be a mad time and can't wait to see you down there and get you on a panel alongside some of the goats let's get into it yeah. eh? i'll have to start brainstorming some questions and then yeah I'll, I'll definitely have a couple of good little you know get little development questions for myself that i'll i'm looking forward to picking up off them like yeah, just surrounding yourself with people with that level of knowledge and that lived experience to have them all in one place and practically doing stuff with you. I don't see where you can get an experience quite like that anywhere else. Totally, man. Totally. That's the plan. All right. Thanks so much, Jacko, for joining us. And uh, yeah, Thanks, see you Jenny. soon. Thanks, Jetty. Yeah. <laughs>